But I think the main things is at the end of the day, volleyball is volleyball. It's in the same nine by nine court, and the rules are the same. So we. Uh, <laughs> is that on the back of your shirt? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's on the back of your shirt. <laughs> you did, you did a little free shout out for you. Um, and it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the net. You need to still execute to the best of your ability if you want a chance to win. But I think. Volleyball is volleyball. And today, this is another episode of the 9x9. 81 square meters of the best, best volleyball content on the internet. Guys, welcome. It is Thursday, September 8th. It's a weird day for us uh, to, to do a show. But as you guys know, we're right in the middle of the world championships. And we now know the final four teams that are going to be heading to Katowice this weekend to play in uh, for a world championships. And, I mean, we might as well get right to it. Uh, the man in front of me right there, uh, casually drinking lemonade. Um, his team will not be there. Uh, unfortunately, the USA suffering a devastating 3-2 loss to Poland earlier today. Looked like they were going to be able to pull off the reverse sweep, but it wasn't to be. First and foremost, Rob, how you doing, buddy? How, how you holding up? <sighs> well, uh, like I mean, Everett, like we were talking about the begin before the show, it was an all-time classic match. It was an instant classic. It was. Uh, a phenomenal, phenomenal effort by the USA to go down two sets to none like that in Poland and come back, force it to five, and uh, end up kind of with a chance there at the end. But it wasn't enough, and now the United States is out of the tournament at, uh, I don't know, is it officially fifth place or like somewhere between fifth and eighth? I have no idea what it is exactly. Those Let's call it uh, that. Let's call it fifth. Yeah, Might as well. I, I think it, it deserves to be fifth because I think it's very, very clear that at this point, Poland's going to go on and win this tournament. I'm, I'm going to put that out there right now. I actually am going to put out right now, Poland will not lose another set this tournament. Uh, Poland's, Poland, you're going to, right now, Poland's going to win the world championship. They're going to sweep Brazil and they're going to sweep Italy in the finals. I'm just going to throw that, throw that out there right now. Okay. Also, the official, the official rankings have, have France in fifth and the United States in sixth. So my United States finish in sixth. At the 2022 World Championship, after losing to Poland again, and I'm just, I'm just upset. I really am upset. I think that the that two of the best three teams in the tournament are not in the final four, uh, and we'll talk about France losing in another instant classic to Italy in five in a little bit. Uh, so they're out. Why? Why is it such that Slovenia gets a free road to the final four and the United States, our only two losses are to Poland twice in Poland, who's the best team in the world with the best crowd in the world on their home court. And we have to play them twice to even have a chance to play for a medal. And Slovenia gets home games for free all the way to the final four. I, I don't understand why we even had to play this match. And I'm pissed off that it went this way and that one one opponent of the like the top three teams in the world, two of them are now out because the U.S. ran into the same one opponent with an unbelievable home court advantage twice. I just think that that's not fair, and I'm annoyed about that. Really I, mean, I, 
I, I definitely understand. Uh, as we know, Slovenia kind of get getting ahead of the second second seed for the reseeding the round of sixteen had to play uh, first. It was who Germany, who they had already slapped pretty mightily uh, in the pool in pool play, and then they had Ukraine uh, in the quarterfinals. Now they're going to be matched up with Italy uh, in the semis. And but you know what, Rob? At the end of the day, the FIVB has to incentivize these countries with something because you're going to end up losing tons of money, right? Slovenia's only selling out the Slovenia matches and any any other that any anything other than that like it's crickets in there right there's, there's nothing going on so you, know, you gotta you gotta incentivize them I understand. somehow I understand and I, I give huge credit to Poland and Slovenia both for stepping up last minute to come in and host the tournament because Russia was supposed to have all of it the entire way through and then they invaded Ukraine without warning without reason so good for them good for the FIVB again taking the tournament away from Russia but even uh, great give give the hosts give the hosts some some advantage but the one and two seeds automatically and putting us in Poland's pool to begin with and then we're the the one versus eight matchup with two of the top three teams in the tournament in the quarterfinals it sucks and I'm upset and we lost 15 12 in the fifth we'd be in the United States because I'm obviously a massive American fan if you're new to the show and I thought I really thought ever there was a legitimate chance that we would pull off the reverse sweep in this thing. I mean, the set scores were 25-20, 27-25. Then the United States turned it around 25-21, 25-22 before losing in the fifth 12 to 15. And there's there's a lot to get into about this. Some of these numbers are ridiculous. They're ridiculous. Starting off with team offensive efficiencies, Poland 460 as a team. 460 as a team in five sets. And the crazy part is that the United States was right behind him at 443. That, 443 as a team. Once again, people, that's not hitting percentage. That's, that's straight up efficiency. efficiency. Right? That's straight up crazy. kills kills minus errors, you know, divided by overall total, which is insanity. That that's why like this game was just so impeccably good on so many different levels. It was such a different experience in watching France versus Italy yesterday, which was an, an error fest uh, all around. But this one was just so good to watch. Of course, Poland did, did make 27 errors from the baseline, um, which is part, I'm not going to say what kept the USA in it. Uh, Cause they were, I will, in, I'll but, say that. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely say that. I think Poland was the significantly better team throughout this match in just about every phase. Oh, with the exception of giving us a, a few too many free points. I mean, in the first set alone, which we didn't even win. Uh, let's see. Let, let, me, let me look at serving and serving numbers from set one alone. Oh boy. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five errors. Five. Right? Yeah. Five service errors for Poland in the first set alone, and like they're just giving points away for free. At one point, Bartosz Kurek missed five serves in a row himself. A lot of free yeah. points, and like that—that's the only way that when you're out playing a team, you're going to keep them in the game. Is if you just serve the ball out of bounds the whole time. Uh, but but ace to air ratio is not bad. Like eight to twenty-seven for Poland, that's certainly not great. Six to eighteen for the U.S. is fine. That's one to three. I'm you, not really you guys, mad about you, that. You guys served pretty well today. Like there, there yeah. wasn't there wasn't too many errors. Um, you weren't putting an ex- a significant amount of pressure on, but still serving serving pretty aggressively. You got some key aces, you know, coming in. Kyle Russell went on a nice little run. Um, our good old friend yeah. Garrett came in as 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 he always does uh proves everyone wrong uh as as he always does but ultimately rob this was 
uh, a masterclass in, in Polish volleyball in, in so many ways. Like it was fantastic to watch. They absolutely dominated you guys down the middle. Like Bieniek, Kokonowski were crushing you guys both at the net, but also from the baseline. They were rocking some, some rockets from the baseline. Jakub Kokonowski had maybe the best middle blocker stat line I have ever seen. Ever. Listen to this. 18 points. This is a middle blocker we're talking about. 18 <laughs> points. <silly. laughs> 15 for 16 attacking with no errors. He got set 16 times and he killed 15 of them. He had one ball that was dug and no balls that were blocked or hit out of bounds, plus three aces, all of them in the first set, which Poland needed uh, to survive a, a volume of service errors that uh, was keeping the U.S. alive. Jakub Kochanowski w- may have been Poland's best player, and Mateusz Biniak wasn't far behind him. 16 points on 8 for 16 attacking, but the real key was six blocks for Biniak and two aces including one in the fifth that I absolutely knew was going to happen. I, he went back there. Uh, it was at, like I think, seven to four or five, like uh, about to force the side change. I'm like, yep, I know he's going to rip one and get to the side change, and he did. Uh, he aced Aaron Russell down the line. His hybrid is disgusting. We've talked about it many times on the show. 18 points and 16 points. That's 34 points combined for the two middle blockers. That is absolutely ridiculous. And yeah, where, where is it? Go ahead. It's crazy. Now, those two guys get a lot of credit because Kokonovsky and Biniak are both unbelievable volleyball players. How? How? After playing them once already, are we going to allow those two to do that to us? What are we doing? What are we doing keeping Jeff Jendrick in there in front of Kokonovsky the entire match? What are we doing? That was the worst, like, most lopsided matchup I have ever seen. And Spira insists on starting Averill, let him ser- letting him serve once, then bringing Jendrick in for two full trips in the front court, then bringing Averill back in again to serve and play the rest of the match. I understand where he's coming from there. Averill's serve is better than Jendrick's. But, oh, my God, think about the matchup. We've seen this team already in pools, and Kokonovsky was unbelievable when we saw him before. He went 15 for 16. 15 for 16. And you're not going to change anything about the middle blocker matchup against him? Jeff Jendrick got embarrassed today. At the very least, you can do one of two things. Put Taylor Averill in full-time or switch the middle blockers. Put David Smith against Jakub Kokonovsky. Much more similar players. They know each other. They played with. They played at Zoxa together. They won Champions League together. And How many times Jend- those two going head-to-head in practice? A million right? times. And then, watch, and then put Jendrick against Mateusz Biniak. Much more similar players. How can you allow those two middle blockers to score 34 points against you and changed nothing. That is crazy to me. It, it like first and foremost, Jakub Kofkanovsky is such a unique middle in the, in, in the volleyball world, right? His stature, the, the way he plays, but you just see how efficient he is. Like we've seen it with Zoxa before, but this was an absolute masterclass. There's so many times where he's, he's hitting that true first temple ball. We've talked about it before and just, his height, his size, his timing, his spacing, everything is so pristine every single time. He's in the perfect spot. And there's so many of those slow-mo shots from behind where you just see he's up contacting the ball. It doesn't matter if it's Dendrick. doesn't matter if it's Averill. They're just sitting there watching. 
right? Because the time between Janusz's hands and Kokonovsky hitting that ball is less than a tenth of a second. It's so damn quick. He's like eating right out of his hands. It's it's ridiculous. But you're not wrong. What what would you would what would you have rather seen? You want to put David Smith in and just keep Averill in the entire time? Is is that would you would preferred put Averill up against Bieniek or or Gendrup? Either or both. Bieniek. Either or both. You've got to put Smith on Kochanowski. No matter what, you've got to put Smith on Kochanowski. And I mean, <laughs> we've made the joke a couple of times that John Sparrow didn't even know who Camille Semenyuk was at the beginning of this national te- team season. There's almost no way he knows that David Smith played with Jakub Kochanowski for a full year of club and has that experience with him. So I mean, why I'm would sure he make he that change? That now. Does he? Well, yeah, now it's certainly too late now. But I mean, you, even if they hadn't played together for so long, you got to think about the types of players we're talking about here. Kokonovsky, like you just said, small, lightning fast, takes the ball instantly out of the setter's hands, hits that true zero tempo ball. And Smith is the one guy who can make the caliber of Reed and get over the net fast enough and take up enough lateral space. Like I, I, I wish like, you could see how far my arms are apart right now. Jeff Jendrick's block today was so narrow. And even when he was up in time against Kokonovsky, which is almost never, he was not wide enough. Kokonovsky had the easiest match of his career carving angles right and left. So you've got to put Smith against him somehow, either switch the middle blockers straight up or rotate around three rotations. And I thought Taylor Averill deserved a chance. Uh, Jendrick's attacking numbers weren't even that good. He was five for 11 attacking with an error. And so less than 50, way less than 50% efficiency as a middle is not good enough. You've got to put those balls away when you get set them. So I don't understand why he, why, why they stuck with that same thing the entire match long when Jendrick was getting destroyed defensively and brought no offensive advantages. I didn't understand why they didn't make that change. Yeah. I mean, J- Averill was one for one. He did come in and uh, uh, serve, an, serve an ace to would have liked to have seen him, you know, just like Jendrick was dr- clearly drowning out there. Throw him in. Um, Rob, we have to also talk about the play of TJ DeFalco. What, where did TJ DeFalco go? Right. This is one of the top players for not only top players for, for the USA in pool play, but one of the top players in the tournament was top 15 in scoring. And then all of a sudden just, you know, disappeared against Turkey and once again disappeared in this one. He was two for seven with two errors. So 0% efficiency on the day. He was subbed after the second set. Garrett Malkuzutia looked way better uh, than DeFalco. And then we didn't see him until he came back in briefly uh, to serve uh, in in the fifth. Uh, What happened to DeFalco? Well, he looked terrible in the first set and and Sparrow was completely justified in taking him out of the game. I mean... If you're getting benched after one set in favor of Garrett Mwangatutia, you've got to take a long, hard look in the mirror. And TJ was terrible. It was the right move. He had There was one rally when he got set, th- I think, four balls in one rally, and he roll-shotted three of them. And all of them were against one-on-ones. He was not swinging at the ball. He was pulling a Stephen Marr out there, which is something that I hate to say, but he, he was he Ouch, was give, hurt give, give, giving these terrible roll shots and it, it was a bad offensive performance he hit a, he went in for a bick that he wasn't even ready for and got stuffed plus foot faulted and he wasn't passing the ball though it was he was invisible and he needed to get subbed off and i mean we got to be serious here with this particular configuration of the united states lineup we need tj defalco to be better we need him if thomas jeski is injured which i think at this point 
as hard as it is for me to say this, you've got to assume at all times that Thomas Jeschke is going to be injured in key matches and he won't be able to play for you. You need TJ DeFalco. You, you can't beat Poland in Poland with Garrett Mwangatutia. You can't do it. And Garrett yeah. came in and, and he, he was himself. He wasn't anything crazy special. He got aced a couple times. He made a couple really just brain-dead errors, which he always does. But he passed the ball okay in general, and he didn't make that many hitting errors. You can't I mean, really he's, I mean he's, he's still he very terminal. He, he's, he, was, he, was seven, he was seven for 12 with four, with four errors, right? So he only, had one continue, he only had one continue on the day, right? So that's it. Like either, either he's, he's scoring for one team or the other. Um, and I mean, he did have, he did have a couple of aces in there. And I mean, I think he did a pretty, pretty all right job, but ultimately it just really lacked, like it really took away an entire facet of, of USA's, uh, USA's offense on the flip side though, Aaron Russell was fantastic. And Matt Anderson was, was great as well. Anderson was 18 for 33 with only two, with only two errors, um, so that's the massive like numbers by 48% efficiency. And yeah. Russell was even better than that, 22 for 39. And yeah, th- th- this is the crazy part about all this is, is that there are, there are these glaring, glaring, like gigantic weaknesses in the USA's game. And we still lost to Poland, like the best team in the world, 15 to 12 in the fifth in Poland with 15,000 people there. Like that, that's, that's the margins here. And it's, it's hard for me right now to look at silver linings of this because of how horrible i thought a couple areas a couple like fixable areas of our game were but oh man the only reasons we were in that game were aaron russell and matt anderson mm-hmm. once you take tj defalco off you know that you're not going to be able to get any high ball scoring productivity out of garrett mongatutia so when in the rotations when aaron russell's in the back court every ball would go to matt anderson and finally finally he put up the attacking performance we were waiting for like 18 for 33 with only two errors is just awesome Great, great, great performance. And Aaron Russell, I honestly thought, was even better. Uh, he led the match in scoring with 24, 22 for 39. If only two errors is crazy, uh, a block and an ace, and passed the ball well. He was, he was phenomenal. He, he looked like that top five outside hitter in the world that we saw from him in like the 2015-ish time span when he was really at, at the peak of the level that we've seen. And with those two guys playing just so, so well, I, I, I can't help but think of what what this final scoreline would have been if TJ DeFalco had had even just a decent game, if he'd even been able to stay on the floor. Because that second set, we should have won that second set. We were up 23-21 uh, and receiving at 23-21. All, all we had to do was side out twice, and we could not do that. We blew it. We lost 27-25. One of those was a set to Garrett Mangatutia that he, on, on a side-out ball that he hit straight into the antenna down the line. Terrible. I think I think the set was a little tough on that one. It, I don't, you know, I don't think he was trying to pull it that way. I think it was it was wide. I think if we were seeing a base base baseline angle, I think he was he was trying to save it. But you know, I digress. Yeah, uh, um, I I have huge respect for the offensive performances of Aaron Russell and Matt Anderson in this match. They kept us in it, and I just wish that DeFalco had been a factor in any way, and he wasn't. And that just kind of is what it is. I do, so however, real quick. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So, go ahead. Uh, real quick, Aaron Russell led the the United States in scoring for this tournament, uh, seventy eight points overall. Uh, Anderson comes in at with fifty eight. Uh, Defalco coming in uh, with uh, fifty six. First round, he had uh, fourteen against Mexico, thirteen against Bulgaria, sixteen uh, against Poland. 
10 against uh, uh, Turkey uh, in the round of 16 and then three uh, against Poland. So he, he equaled his tournament less in, in the playoffs uh, than in, in pool play. So I think that, that right there, you know, Anderson and Russell were, were, were very good. You know, Anderson got better as throughout Aaron Russell, to be honest, like it's a shame that where's he going? This is he going to Japan this year? I think he's going to Asia somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Japan or Korea. It's a shame to, to be perfectly honest that he's not in Italy or at the very least Poland, because we talked about it a lot last year. We wanted to free fat, fat Ron from the stooges in in Piacenza and idiot Bernardi just burying him on the bench and look at look at what he did this summer. He was one of the best players at VNL. He was one of the best players at the World Championships. Right at this point, like it'd be hard pressed. You'd be hard pressed to find other outsides who who played as well as Aaron Russell so far throughout throughout the entirety of of, of the tournament. I yeah, I thought he was fantastic. And uh, well, I mean, we'll talk about club season in a couple of weeks because it's really starting very soon. But I still take a look at the two-time defending Champions League champions, Zaksa Kejers and Kojle, and they have a gaping, gigantic, massive hole at outside hitter uh, with the departure of Camille Semenyuk that has yet to be filled. And I've said that Ole Plotnitsky should fill that spot. I've said that Aaron Russell should fill that spot. I mean, there's outside hitters out there uh, that, that, that should go and play a, a meaningful role on a great club team. And uh, it, I agree. It's, it's too bad that Russell's going to go waste away out in the Far East and we're not going to see any of them. But uh, before we move on from the USA, because we, we do have to talk about Poland and give them a lot of credit. Not wrong. I need to, I need to address our blocking game. Now, we, I've always known and I've always thought and I've always said that Matt Anderson is a terrible blocker. But come on. The moves that he was making in this match were pitiful. He's six foot ten. He's phenomenally athletic and coordinated. He at, at one time touched probably twelve six in his prime, and he makes these stupid, weak, late, passive block moves. He's not even swing blocking to his right. He's just shuffling and throwing his hands straight up. He's not getting over the net. He's reaching to the outside. He is an easy launch pad to get tooled. There was one swing that Tomas Fornal had when he came in that just, it, it, was, it was maybe the worst block move I've ever seen. And Anderson, with those physical tools, has got to be better at that. He has to be better at that. We, uh, the USA had four blocks in this match only. Four blocks in five sets, not enough. Poland had nine. And are even worse than that, and I wish we had like the, the volumetrics or advanced stats, our positive block touch percentage was terrible. So many balls dribbling down our chest, so many balls immediately off the hands and out of bounds, like out of bounds wide, these terrible late reaches to lines, to seams, like gigantic gaps left, left in blocks. I, I thought Matt Anderson, as good as he was attacking, and he was good serving, did a horrible job blocking. And I think that would have really, really helped. At least touch balls. I don't need you to get five stuff blocks. I need you to touch the ball in a way that doesn't immediately make us lose the point. And the same goes for Jeff Jendrick. I already talked about his miserable blocking performances in the middle, but moving to the wings, it wasn't much better. And that's something that I really thought the USA was much better at. In VNL, I thought we were a good blocking team. I thought our blocking system was in the zone. I thought we were getting over. We were touching balls. We were making the right reads on setters. And we didn't slow anybody down today. I mean, Poland hit 460 as a team. That's 
a crazy high number for a team with a lot of weapons and a lot of skill, but we have got to do a better job blocking against that. I think that's that and that and like the, the lack of TJ DeFalco's just general role. Those two things are the things just, that I would point yeah. to for the reason why we lost this match. Just not having a P2 there just r- really killed you guys. Uh, one shout out though, I found that Eric Shoji, he got beat up a little bit early. Right, he got aced a few times uh, in serve receive, but down the stretch he was phenomenal. And I think there there was there was a few times where he was keeping like there was one rally where you know I think he he made two phenomenal digs and then they made an error uh, in, in transition. Eric showed you I thought two, was he made two phenomenal digs and then Wangatatia and Russell miscommunicated on who was going to take the second ball in yeah, the fifth. Absolutely, that that, that one was killed me. That was that was hard to watch. Oh. That was kind of the dagger, in my opinion. If like that one had been able to be transitioned, that would might have been the swing of momentum that 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 you guys needed. Um, one other quick thought too was, I found out of system a system setting today to be to be atrocious for Terrible. USA. There was so many tight sets, and I was just I was just watching it, and like there was a few like you know breakdown plays, scramble plays where you know you're going back back and forth, and I'm watching. So many of the American guys, doesn't matter if it's Russell, Anderson, uh, whoever, you know, just reaching for it, tipping balls, like going right into the block, recycling. Whereas I'm watching Kurek and Semenya Konchlivka, whoever, whoever it may be on the outside for Poland, really just they have so much room to, to, to swing away at. And just it was such it was such a terrible out of system setting performance from the USA today that I really think hurt them down down the stretch. I totally agree. I'm glad you brought that up. I, I do want to echo your compliments to Eric Shoji because I think was he was phenomenal, and I think he was uh, he might have a case for the best libero overall in this entire tournament. And that includes Grubenikov. I thought Shoji was that good, but yeah, the out of system setting thing was weird. And honestly, a lot of it was Micah Christensen. He was putting balls way, way, way too tight on the net both in and out of system. And I understand that that's been a tactical thing that the USA has shifted to. Like kind of starting last summer in VNL, I remember it. Out of system, like especially to the left side, we wanted to leave the ball high, tight, and inside so that the guys could blast off the inside of a triple block and get that tool out of bounds. But the, the tightness of the sets left a lot of the wing hitters with just no chance. And that, that came from Micah, platform hands, out of system setters, just the too tight in general. I know that's a tactical thing the U.S. has tried to do. It was not executed well this match, and I think it's important to note. Ever did you notice the same thing as me? Micah Christensen was not a hundred percent in this match. No, he was moving. Tell. Oh yeah, he was moving slow. He could not jump. He was setting from the floor whenever he could. He was float serving and poorly. Uh, he whatever whatever the injury was that kept him out of the first Poland match uh, is. Like it showed up today. He did not look like himself. No, and, and he he definitely didn't. And I mean, I know the efficiency was USA was was really high, but he just wasn't running the offense with the crisp, usual cleanness, like the creativity that 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 we usually see from Michael Christensen. Uh, wrapping it up on on USA though, I do wonder if TJ uh, DeFalco's injured, just based off of. Um, how, how when he did come off, he kind of just went straight to the bench, had a, had his jacket on, like he was he was supporting the boys, but he was sitting down. So I almost wonder if there was, um, um, you know, some some injuries there. Uh, I think there's an emotional injury there, and I think ooh. that emotional injury is going to have to be worked on as he goes to Rosovia this season in Poland, where the atmosphere and the stakes and the scrutiny is not going to get any easier. I'm curious to see how he handles that. 
All right, fair enough. Well, Rob, anything do we do we want to talk about Poland at all? Like first yeah. and foremost, Bartosz Kurek. What what does what happens to him around World Championships? And I'm not saying <laughs> that he's not a world class player the rest the rest of the time, right? But there is something about the World Championships. And remember, he was the MVP of the 2018 World Championships, and then they, they are the two time defending world champions here. But there, he just does he just gets into an, another mode when coming into to World Championship time and. It's it's scary. It's scary to watch. Right? Scary is exactly the word 20, I was just about 20 to use. For 30, 20 for 34 in this one with only two errors, right? Well of well over a 500, uh, 500 efficiency. Uh, that's crazy. And, the and he way didn't he even serve well. No, he if, he, if, he's, if he serves better, he's, he's going to win MVP again. Yeah, uh, 100%. Like, he is so dominant out there right now for Poland. Blocking isn't the greatest. Only one block in the day. Mm-hmm. You're hoping that you're 6'10", much like Matt Anderson. You're hoping that you're 6'10", right side, is going to clamp a few a few for you, of course, in five sets on one block. Uh, not fan, not fantastic, but, man, Artos Kirik is really – and it looks like he's having fun out there, too. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. I, I'm He's he's scary, just like you said. I, nobody in the world wants to play against this guy right now. There's – Something about World Championship time that really lights them up. And, I mean, we already talked about the Polish middles, but I want to talk about the Polish outside hitters because we saw Semenyuk and Szlifka start the match, as we expected, and Semenyuk was not particularly good, which is really rare for him. Like, his play style is that of the utmost consistency and polish and mitigating errors, and he made a couple errors and didn't pass the ball great. So uh, when I, when Fornal came in for Semenyuk and not Shlivka, I was surprised when I looked at the numbers. I understood it, but what what makes Camille Semenyuk such an such a all time great player is the way he responded to that. He came back in to start the fifth set and he ripped two aces, and they were two absolute beauties, like untouchable balls. Like they're I can't even be mad about those two aces because I don't think anybody on the planet passes either of those balls, and that is the the mental fortitude that he has in addition to the physical skill. And then I got to compliment Alexander Shlivka. Uh, I was listening to Bartosz Kurek. So, so steady. I was listening to Kurek's post-game interview, and he said that he, he went out of his way to compliment Alexander Shlivka, said that he was the best player on the floor for either team tonight, and wow. that he's been really scrutinized a lot uh, this summer, this national team season, and last season in the Olympics. And, and he has been scrutinized, and I think a lot of that has been kind of fair. But uh, he was, he didn't light it up on the stat sheet particularly, uh, but 11 for 21 attacking is pretty good. Still not bad. I, yeah. uh, I, I thought he was outstanding. I, I really thought he was great and steady and filled his role perfectly. And uh, I'm glad that Kurek gave him that shout out because I think he deserved it. He did everything else for them, right? Yeah. He passed the ball. He played fantastic defense. He set out a system. He served not super well, like no, no aces on the night, but served efficiently. Only one error. In, in serving, which is absolutely massive, That's but puts good. pressure yeah. put, put, puts pressure on them, right? And when you've got Slivka and Zatorski, and even even they they had they went away with from Zatorski at one point and went with Popcheck, um, it like Slivka is essentially another libero out there. His ball control is so good, his game sense is so good. He's he's one of those players who impacts the game not on the score sheet. And I, and I do right, wish we had some advanced, right, right. some advanced analytics on it because he is, he was a pillar for them and, and he allows players like he allows the middles to be able to do what they do, especially offensively. He allows Bartosz Jurek to, to do what he do because he can just take over so many roles for them. Well said. And well, I mean, just to wrap this match up, like I said, here's, here's the final bracket. We're going to get to it in a minute, 
my prediction holds. I'm going to stand by this. I don't think Poland loses a set the rest of this tournament. They're playing it at home. The home crowd advantage cannot be overstated. It was unbelievable, the atmosphere today. Unbelievable. And it's going to be even better on a Saturday night and a Sunday night coming up this weekend for medal matches. That is going to be completely insane. I think Poland's going to sweep Brazil, and I think they're going to sweep the winner of Slovenia and Italy in the finals. I really do. I think this was their last hurdle to get over. As a volleyball fan, I hope not. Right? As, yeah. as, a, as a volleyball <laughs> fan, I hope that Brazil gives it to them. And I mean, hey. Like we'll we'll pre- preview these games at the end, but like we, we need to talk about it. I don't th- I don't think it's going to be sweeps. I, I, okay. I don't think at all. All right, all right. All right. Do let's, we... let's 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 go back to the beginning. Let's there, go back to the that's beginning. A good one. And uh, to really ever... basically the only other match that we actually have to talk about because the, <laughs> yeah, other, true. the other ones. I mean, yeah, Brazil, Brazil, Argentina was all right, but yeah, this one was another classic. And that's Italy versus France. Uh, truly an, a, another all-time classic. And, I mean, we had our eyes on it. It was two great, great teams playing each other maybe a little bit too early. And Italy, uh, man, I, I really didn't think that it was possible, but Italy came out and played a phenomenal match. France made way too many errors. Yuri Romano put on a clinic, and Italy beats France in five. Uh, the set scores. Uh, Italy 24 26 25 21 23 25 25 22 and then 15 12 in the fifth yeah this one hats off to Italy first and foremost yeah, I think they, totally. they played a phenomenal they've played a phenomenal game they played their game to a T you know we talked about it on Tuesday that a couple players were going to need to step up for them we wanted to see Alessandro Micheletto um, step up and I think he did an all right job I don't think he was the player that we thought they needed him to be but on the flip side, Yuri Romano had an all-time match uh, for Italy out there. 17 for 34 attacking with, with, with five errors, but a block and four aces. Um, this dude's a gamer. This, 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 this dude's a gamer. That's, that's the only way to describe him. Totally. Going back to last year's European Championship final, comes in, rips a couple aces in the fifth to win it. Like, Exactly. He's a gamer. I don't think you or I, Everett, are, are particularly high on his game overall. I don't know if I really trust him that much as like a full-time starting opposite for an entire season. And we're going to see in Piacenza this year. Uh, he's going to get the keys to that offense. But this match, when they when Italy needed somebody to step up, I thought it was going to be Micheletto. It was Yuri Romano. I totally agree. 353 efficiency on the match for a guy of his play style is a good number. But the four aces, like you mentioned, was really the difference. Yeah, it, he was he was unreal. But on the flip side of it, as well as Italy played, I'm 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 putting a lot of the honus on this one of on France, right? I think Italy is the type of team that they are going to play their style, and they don't really move much without that. Like they're they're not really going to have that many bad games, and they're not going to have that many fantastic games. But France, on the other side, you had twenty five errors uh, in attacking, fifteen of those unforced. You had twenty, uh, sorry, twenty nine serving errors uh, in this one to only four aces. So the, the numbers aren't aren't good. That's a really lot of free points. <laughs> really where free points. really where France struggled was just on the left side of the court. Levno couldn't get it going. Even when they brought in uh, what Luati couldn't really get it going. Irvin Ingepeth was looked bad out there, right? This is this is the, the not the greatest version of, of Irvin Ingepeth we've ever seen. Thirteen for forty-one, only thirty-one percentage hitting with nine errors. Like that's like that's like a ten percent efficient, like 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 
100, 100%, not 100%, but, you know, 0.100 efficiency. Just uh, really, really point, bad. 0. 0.097. You nailed it. That It was crazy to me because as the match went on, Irvin looked slower and less dynamic and le- just more useless on attack. Like, he uh, eventually, like, we, we know that Irvin isn't the biggest player and he doesn't jump the highest of any player, but his arm is so good and he gets himself to where he needs to be to hit all these crazy shots that he has in his toolbox. He couldn't get himself to those places to hit those shots by the end of the match. When he was hitting a lot of balls, Italy's best move was to pull hands away from him because he literally couldn't get high enough to hit the ball downwards into the court by the end of this match. It was like kind of jarring to watch. Yeah, it was. It, Italy played them like a fiddle. At a certain point, totally. you could tell you could tell that they were playing them. They just put so much pressure on that P two position in, in serve serve receive. Cleveno couldn't get going right. They run Luetti couldn't get going. There was just so much pressure on them in, in in serve serve receive. And then Italy just did what they do best. They they initiate rallies and trap you into blocks. And they they're the best blocking team in the world, hands down about, about it. You know, we talked about the 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 deficiencies in the American block. Completely different story when you're when you're talking about Italy out there. Uh, and and they they ate it up. They they ate it up. France played right into their hands, and you could tell that going into that fifth set that Italy was just Italy, Italy was just going with it. I, I think you you totally nailed it. You said it on the last show we did too, like where. That's exactly Italy's strength is they continue rallies and they trapped you into blocking situations where they have great advantages. And I thought that France, with all of their weapons and like smart attacking options on the wings, were going to have an advantage against that. And they just didn't. It was crazy because, yeah, like you said, Ingepet wasn't good. Cleveno wasn't good. Luati came in and wasn't good enough. And at opposite, they started Stefan Boyer because that was a mistake. I Total mistake. Yeah. Total mistake. I know that against Japan, you start Jean Patrick because he's your guy. He didn't play great. Boyer came in and was phenomenal. But you know who Stefan Boyer is as a player. At least you have to. You better know that. That he's a completely up and down type of player. And starting him, especially against a team of Italy's like extremely high level of skill, is not a good idea because he has the potential to make a million errors. And sure enough, he did. He made five straight unforced hitting errors before being subbed off for John Patry at certain points. That was a mistake. But that was a lineup mistake. 100%. But on the flip end, as soon as Petri came in, he was the only guy really that was that was consistently keeping them in the match. Like 16 for 30, only three errors. You know, he he was he was putting up numbers and it's it's a big a big question mark for Gianni as to why he wasn't in there. Right, because yeah. he's been he's been your guy through through the Olympics. He's been your guy through VNL. He's been your guy, you know, uh, all the all the way through. And yes, Boye is a good option, but I just it, it was a question. It was a questionable move uh, for, by Gianni for me. A questionable move, and there's one more questionable like roster management move that I really want to point out. And that's the fifth set. So, in the fifth set, uh, Andrea Gianni chose to do kind of something similar to what the U.S. did in starting Quentin Jufra in the middle. Like the, he's kind of their go-to service sub guy because he's got like a Mateusz Beniak-like hybrid that's really good. His serve is good, mm-hmm. uh, but he's like clearly a step down a middle blocker from Chinyazim Legoff. So Gianni starts Jufra at middle in the fifth, um, lets him play like one front court rotation and then serve, then brings Legoff in for a couple trips and then brings Jufra in again. Okay, that's two. That's two substitutions. You only get six. Then 
this is the one that really confused me. He starts to let Yassine Luazzi at outside, but then brings Trevor Cleveno in for Barclay Michinese to serve once and then brings him right back out. So that's two more substitutions. Four total, only two left. He burns the final two substitutions on a 6-2 for Benjamin Toniuti and and Stefan Boyer to come in for Antoine Brizard and Jean Patrick. And and France went down by a decent amount, but they were making a comeback there at the end of the fifth. But against match point, the point that won the match for Italy is Daniele Lavia going over the top on the block of Benjamin Toniuti. How can you manage your lineup in such a way that you allow Benjamin Toniuti to block a single ball in a fifth set of a world championship playoff match? That is a mistake. You cannot do that. You cannot do that. And there's there's no excuse for that. I, I put it on Instagram. I had a bunch of people commenting that, oh, oh yeah, uh, he ran out of substitutions. He couldn't switch him out. That's even worse. You can't put yourself in that situation. Like, good for Gianelli for seeing it. Like, oh, man, Tony Uti's blocking front court right now. Easy money. Game over. Yeah. That's crazy like- to me that he let that happen. That's like, you know, when, when someone like when Clay passes to Steph and before the ball is even in Steph's hands, he's walking down the, the court, putting yeah. away three. Like well, I'm sure no. Gianelli was just like, Hey guys, here's a, here's a, here's a, a high ball. Let's, let's just walk away. You know, a classic good old uh, LeBron and D Wade moment uh, right there because <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was just like completely set up. And yeah, it, it seemed to me that, you know, uh, the commentators were making a big deal about George Giorgi and, uh, and uh, Gianni having worked together in the past with with the Italian team and stuff like that. Uh, to be honest, I'm surprised he even knew that uh, at all. So <laughs> con- congratulations. Um, but man, it, it Giorgi just coached circles around Gianni in this oh. one, and it, it 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 wasn't even close. Absolutely, and I mean, look, think about how many of the coaches in this tournament are Italian. <laughs> I bet it, it. I bet it's not that far away from being half. No. I bet that there's got, got to be, I mean, out of the 24 teams, you don't think like at least like 10 are Italian. There's no, a lot I was, of, I was, no, I was literally thinking about it today. It's only like Di Giorgi and, 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 uh, and Gianni and Gianni and Piazza and the oh, Piazza. Tunisian coach. And, oh, he's, he's, uh, he's Italian yeah, too. Okay, there, there's, there's, there's several, there, there's several, but, but like, I mean, there's there's a reason yeah. why uh, of of the great coaches that Italy produces, only one of them can coach at home. Only one of them can coach the Italian national team, and I think that Georgie earned his paycheck in this match. Hundred percent, right? Like he has. Like, to be honest, I truly think that this Italian team, their their roster is great. Don't get me wrong, but when I look at them, like they're they're a top five team. Um, and I know before at VNL we were talking about top four because maybe Brazil is dying. They're not dying. They're not dead. Leal's been unreal. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it in a little <laughs> bit. But on paper, I think this Italian team is the weakest of the top five teams, right? When you're looking when when you're looking at at Poland and Brazil and and USA and France and and Italy, like uh, on paper, they're the they're the weakest of this team. But the, the way this team plays together is is so is is so good and it just plays to all of their strength and that to me is is squarely on the shoulders of uh, Fernand, fernando uh, di giorgi coaching makes a difference in volleyball we talk about it a lot that it doesn't make as much of a difference in volleyball as compared to other sports but uh there there there's something there for sure because i mean we talked about mistakes that gianni made we talked 
talked about mistakes that Spira made, but I got to give DeGeorgie a ton of credit for the way that he prepared this team for the French matchup and getting Italy into so many points where they could really exert their strengths. Even just watching him on the sidelines, like, you know, in between sets and in timeouts and stuff like that, he's always just so calm. Uh, but you can tell that his players just listen to him so intently and just the, the way that he goes by, like, like speaking to his players, you can just see why, you know, that he's, he's, he's leading, you know, one of the best volleyball countries in the world. And he's, he's done what he's done at the, at the pro level. He's, it was a masterclass in coaching from what, what I've seen so far from uh, Di Giorgi. Totally agree. Uh, can we move on to Italy's opponents in the semifinals or you, yeah. anything else to add about that match? No, I think it was a, a fantastic match. Uh, France threw it away. Kind of wondered what they did the night before. Hope the, the club, <laughs> hope the club was popping because they they looked a little bit tired. And uh, yeah, good good. I for forgot Italy. to brought up. I forgot to bring up a team offensive efficiencies for that match. Italy three thirteen, France two fifty. Yeah, that, uh, makes, France, that makes sense. Two, it makes sense, but that, that's that's as low as I've seen France's offense operate in a long time. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Just not a good day for for the French. And man. Since getting past the uh, winning those uh, that Olympic Games, getting past the quarterfinals is uh, is a bit of t- is, is has been tough. <laughs> uh, incredible. So uh, so Italy moves on to the semifinals. They will face Slovenia. They will take on Slovenia in a rematch of last year's European Championship final. Slovenia, who had the easiest corner of the bracket by far, mm-hmm. in addition to having the advantage of playing at home. Uh, Slovenia beats Ukraine three sets to one, uh, 18-25, 26-24, 25-19, 25-23. Everett, I thought that after that first set that Ukraine put on another clinic, like just like they did against Netherlands, I thought that we were going to be seeing something unspeakable, like something that something like Ukraine playing for a medal. Uh, but no, Slovenia figured it out. They made two very key substitutions that we'll get into and they kind of righted the ship behind another ridiculous home crowd. And sure enough, they hold seed and they're going to take on Italy in the semis. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I only really watched the first set. I had to work that night. I had to work at some point this week. And that was I'm glad that was the game that I missed because all yeah, of the other yeah. all of the other ones were fantastic. But man, like Ukraine came flying out the gate. Plotnitsky looks world like looked world class in this one let's let's be honest that's that's the only way to put it he he looked world class especially in that first set um but then uh you know as i said that's that's all, that's all i watched i had to I, I had to go to work and uh i'm i'm a little sad that ukraine didn't take it but ultimately i do think that slovenia is the better team to move on i definitely agree i, th- I think ukraine was missing one wing performance in addition to ole Plotnitsky. and uh, Plotnitsky's stat line is completely insane. I'm glad he got the 30 points. Uh, 30 exactly. Uh, it's a very elite club of players that have dropped 30 points in this tournament. 21 for 40 attacking. Incredible. Five errors. Still very high efficiency. That's 400. Where it re- really came into me was four stuff blocks for Plotnitsky alone and five aces. <laughs> five. That's nuts. And uh, he, he went on a run at the very, very end of the match. Uh, Ukraine in the fourth set was 24-19 down. It was over. Over. And they sided out once, and Ole Plotnitsky went back. He ripped two aces, and he put Slovenia out of system that Ukraine was able to transition, and it got him back all the way to 23-24. It, he almost single-handedly forced extra points and got Ukraine to a fifth set before 
uh, finally Slovenia got the side out that they needed. But that performance from Ole Plotnitsky is exactly what we're talking about. We need to get this man starting on a club team. He I needs can't, to, I, I, I can't like, watch him come off the bench this club No, it's too much. It. Like what? Like a few serving subs? Like, <sighs> you know, play a few back row rotations? Swing on a few balls? Like, no. Get this man a contract that, that, that suits him in Superlega. Like, Zoxa. Go like figure out how to get Plotnitsky. They took Semenyuk, take Plotnitsky, right? Exactly. He's not, he's not playing over Semenyuk and and uh, Leon. Go 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 somewhere else. Um, but yeah, I think to, to this one, um, it's pretty clear to me that everyone else on Ukraine just, you know, they emptied their tank in the, the game before. Yeah, and, and right, rightly so, right? Just getting, as we said being here was a miracle in itself getting to the round of the 16 was was fantastic and beating the netherlands the way they did was you know a, a dream come true but they emptied their tank in the, in that game and this one was just plotnitsky who's truly the only player who can play at this level like once you're talking about like a world championship quarterfinal level he's the only player on that team that can truly play on that level and he just put the team on his back and carried them as far as as they could so i mean i think you need to really look at, at plotnitsky as being like once again, like we're just one of the best players, players in this tournament. And it's such a shame that he's not playing on a top level club team as one of the top two options. Totally agree. Uh, I mean, we saw Kovalov and Tupchi both have good games against the Netherlands and neither of them were just quite as good this time. And uh, Slovenia had a better matchup in the middle against Ukraine than the Netherlands did. And that was a big difference as well. So got to give Plonitsky his due as we have. I think we've, highlighted well how unbelievable he was this match in this tournament but i do want to talk about slovenia because they they win this corner of the bracket they play all their matches at home the crowd was unbelievable uh an amazing atmosphere and, and like i said on the last show very good chance that that's that, that this that match against ukraine was the last time that this core of great slovenian players will ever play together at home so i'm glad that they put on a show and they won their last match together uh, in ljubljana I'm confused about a couple of things that Slovenia is doing because this team is good. We've seen them be good. We've seen them go on these crazy Euro volley runs. I know it's a brand new coach in Georgia Kretsu. Why do we keep starting Dejan Vincic? Why do we keep rolling him out there as a starting setter when we know very, very clearly that Gregor Ropred is the better option? I mean, you're planning on Vincic's leash being short and putting Ropred in when you need to save the day anyway. Just start him. Start the guy. It's a no-brainer to me. I don't understand why we keep seeing this. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't get it either. Maybe he's just like he's been the guy for so long, and that they they want to run with him. Maybe it's it's a respect thing. You know, maybe that's what the team wants. Who who knows? Um, maybe he's one of those players that has ability to start well, whereas Ropret, you know, can kind of come in at at at, at any time. Um, but ultimately, it hasn't really like it hasn't really bit them at all, right? Because they haven't really faced any stiff, real stiff competition that that's, that's been meaningful. Um, so that's why I, I think that, you know, it's, it's really nice that that Slovenia is here. It, it's, it's great for them. You know, I'm sure it's been fantastic selling out all, all those ones, but it is hard for me to accept them being in, in the semi, in the semifinals where, where they at this me point, it's, 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 it's hard to, it's, it's hard for me to, for me to accept that they've been able to, essentially buy their way to uh to a world championship top four um and i mean hey i get i, I bet like if canada was in a position to do, do that i would want you know volleyball canada to do that in a heartbeat 
absolutely but it just kind of shows some of the holes within volleyball that this slovenian team can can make a year i'm I'm not saying this slovenian team shouldn't have been you know i think they're a quarterfinal level team right agreed i think without without that top two finish guaranteed i think no matter like what were they they were two and one in uh in pool play yeah they lost a five setter to france i think if the without yeah. the uh, guaranteed seats for the host i think they would have been seventh yeah, they would have been one of the the higher the the higher ranked second place teams, if not the highest ranked second second place team, and they they would have had a good matchup, um, and they probably would have which they probably would have won, uh, and then it would have been a better uh, quarterfinal round. And then, yeah, then um, they would have played Italy in the second round instead of the semifinals, like it probably should have happened. You know, or yeah. maybe playing the USA. You know, maybe right. maybe something maybe something like that is happening. USA doesn't have to play Poland right away in, in the quarterfinals. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, good good for good for Slovenia. I'm sure this is gonna. I hope this has a lasting impact on um, their volleyball culture in in general. I know this is a, a country that's been building it up over the past decade, but it does. I'm not gonna say it leaves a bad taste in my mouth, but it's a little it's a little uncomfortable the fact that they're there. I think that's well said. And the last thing about Slovenia, I mean, we, we talked about the firing of Mark Lebedu earlier this summer after VNL. We, we know that the team, the, the, the core group of players in particular, was really unhappy with the way that he was handling things. And it sounded to me like I think we got a YouTube comment from a Slovenian fan that said that most of the the like the, the force the behind group. that that pushing out of Lebedu came from Tonček Stern. That's what what I heard as being like the most unhappy player with Lebedu and kind of the force behind pushing him out. Sure enough, in this match against Ukraine, Tonchek Stern gets benched because we and we've seen this from him. He he's been huge in big matches before, but just because of his play style, he's not overwhelmingly dynamic. He has the potential to make a bunch of errors, and he did. And Kretsu sent him to the bench and brought in none other than Rok Mozic at opposite which was very interesting, and it worked. I loved the move because we've talked about, like, Slovenia really only has nine players. Their, their available backups are, they have a, a backup setter and Mozic on the bench. They don't really have a backup opposite, so I loved bringing in Mozic to play opposite, but do you, th- like, b- given the, the politics behind yes. it, Everett, in the, in the next match against Slovenia, in, against Italy, who starts at opposite for Slovenia, in your opinion? Do you put Stern back out there, or do you go straight with the Rock? No, if it's me, I'm putting the rock out there. This dude lights up the Italian league. You're playing against Italy, right? Like, it's really too bad that this game isn't in Slovenia because Slovenia and Italy are right beside each other, right? Like, they they, they share a border. It's not that far from, like, Trentino or Udine or, or Treviso or, or Venice or wherever to get to, to get to Slovenia. That's why there's been so many Italian teams because I think this would have been, this would have been packed with fans from both sides um but yeah like you want the rock rock ramozic in in there like you want him on the and like if you need to chibul and uh do they have earn out out there like i haven't right. really watched much of slovenia yeah like, it's if you chibul need, and earn out and just kind of just like we saw last summer's vnl chibul has been the guy to kind of be strategized into the leading scorer I'm, role I mean, they're, he has been right. He's, he's, he's right, fourth. Right. He's fourth in in uh, world championship scoring with eighty six points. Real quick, yep. Plotnitsky actually finished third with with ninety one. So Plotnitsky just Namir still leading, even though he didn't play at all all this round with ninety five points, and he was pretty terrible in the, the round of sixteen. So it just just tells you how good Namir was across his fifteen sets uh, in pool play. But yeah, going back to to Slovenia, you you need the rock. Like you need Mozic out there. He is a, a scoring machine and put him on the, I think you absolutely put him on the right side. I think he's a pretty good blocker. Like 
maybe you have a, a, a three a three hitter system, right? Why not why not work that a little bit with Earnout and and the Rock and and Chebul, you know, work that a little bit. Let's let's see how good of a coach Kratu is, or if he's just going to go back to now Tonchek Stern. I have a feeling he's just going to go back to Tonchek Stern because he is too. He's, he you know that's the type of like old head uh, coaching uh, decision that I, that I expect from from some from someone like him but yeah 100 how do you not have like one of the best scorers in the italian superlega on your court right like find somewhere hell if you need to put him in the middle put him in the damn middle i don't <laughs> care right get him on the damn court yeah i i totally agree with you but i'm i'm right there with you i think that Stern will start uh doesn't mean he should but i definitely think he will i think there's there's seniority and a little bit of politics at play there, but it's nice for Slovenia to now know that they can put Ruk Mozic at opposite and they can get away with it. So I would be shocked if we didn't see that versus Italy. So uh, I think that's about it for them. We'll talk about their semifinal matchup in a minute. Let's go on to the last quarterfinal match that we saw. It was the all South American battle. It was the rematch of last year's Olympic bronze medal match between Argentina and Brazil and Brazil thumped them. I know yeah. Argentina took a set, but the set score is uh, 16-25, 25-23, 22-25, 21-25. Brazil was the better team from first serve to last, and the numbers back it up. Remember at a certain point this year when we were talking about Leal being washed? We were, really, a, we were really wrong about that, eh? We, well, like, really, we were. Really, really wrong. <laughs> he had a rough that. end to his club season, but he I'll did. be damned if he hasn't been awesome this World Championship. I mean, it, this match was kind of a battle of the two main offensive guys. And listen to it these wasn't two. Really a, it wasn't really a battle. No, it, was it a, wasn't. It, wasn't. It, it, it was a slaughter on, on Leon's side. Like, yeah, listen, listen to these lines. Yoandi Leal, 25 points for Brazil on 22 for 34 attacking with one error. That's 617 efficiency. 617 as, like the lead, as, as the leading scorer in the entire match and the, the guy that everyone knows the ball's going to. 617 is completely crazy, opposed to blocking two aces. And on the, other, on the other side for Argentina, Bruno Lima, 13 points, 12 for 27 attacking with seven errors. And 185 efficiency. If you're if one if one team's leading scorer versus the other team's leading scorer, if the difference in efficiency is 450, I think you probably know who's going to win the match. Yeah, I mean it was it was Brazil through and through. Argentina played strong in that second set to 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 be able to steal one there, but there was never a doubt. Like to be honest, I didn't really watch this match that much because you could just tell that it was just Brazil going to town. Uh, also, I had some troubles watching this match too. Thanks a lot, Ooh, volleyball world. Broadcast, um, Ooh, like, boy, were oh, there some problems man. there? Like, let's let's figure it out. Well, won't, can't we? Like, come on, right? This is a, this is a world championship. Let's let's find ourselves some sponsors other than you know Mizuno and Mikasa. Let's branch out a little bit. Maybe Coke is interesting. Pepsi, who knows? Anything, Sprite. I don't care. I'll take cream soda. Like, it, it doesn't really matter. Hey, I yep. love cream soda. Don't you dare slander cream soda. I, I also found out that the bar I work out has cream soda like on tap last oh night. My God. I've never worked. We don't have anything I, diet. You can't get a diet Coke, but you can I'm get getting cream on a soda. plan. I'm getting on a yeah. plan right now. Oh, dude, come down. I'll, you'll, <laughs> we'll have some more of those lemonades. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, like it, it, it was like Brazil through and through and this one and to be honest, like Kachopa has been inserted into this offense and, and done so much good, but also on the other side too, like other than Lima, like Conte 
didn't have a great a great day. He was 11 for 29, only three errors, but still 11 for 29. Then you have Palacios, who's in there, six for 18 with three errors. They just, other than L- Lima and Lozere, they were struggling at finding, like, Decheco was struggling at finding anything for Argentina in this one. Yeah, and Brazil, of all the teams, to know Argentina and to know how to stop them, it's Brazil. They Kind of like Italy style. They were so prepared for that matchup. They did such a good job in block and defense. And, uh, well, although Agustin Loser had five stuff blocks, which is a lot, uh, he only went six for 12 attacking and was stuff blocked twice. So Brazil did a great job against his offensive capability. And like we've said for Argentina, they've really been missing that second outside hitter. I mean, Ezekiel Palacios came in uh, against Serbia, played well. This time, not nearly as good. I mean, in the fourth set, uh, th- this was a, a, a kind of a defining run. Argentina was up 19-18 in the fourth. Like, they, they looked like they really had a chance to force it to a fifth. They ended up losing 25-21. So, uh, Brazil went on a 7-2 to run. It was on Lucas's serve. He had one ace in there. But what really did it for me was that Argentina passed two dimes. Checo gave it out to Palacios twice in a row on two separate points. Two one-on-one looks. He got dug cross-court wide open both times. And that, that, was, that was a huge part of the difference for me. I, I, I respect the repeat set choice, but th- that's just kind of what Argentina is missing right now is that second guy who can actually put a ball away for you. Yeah, they, they just... They're missing. They're missing a few pieces, and I mean, also in serve receive too. Like you're looking, it looks like teams are targeting Danani, right? Like Palacios, who's hands down, they're, they're they're what I view as their worst passer, was only getting targeted 18 times over the course of four sets. They went at Danani 32 times. So I, wow. I know that's that's probably some of them of of Danani like coming in and reaching in and taking seams and and and, and whatnot. Uh, because Conte had like like they they targeted him like 28 times, 26 times, something like that, but. Like to, to me, I think that's a bit of a a bit of a red flag. If a team like Brazil, whose serving strategy is so important to what they do, is just out there being like, "We don't really care. Let's go at Danani, whatever." Like, not even we don't care. Go, let's go at like, like no, let's, oh, let's go let's at actually Danani. go at him, dude. Right? Great call. I, I wouldn't have seen that because you have to look in a different place than the other stats for the passing stats in the, this stupid world that we live in. But that's a great point. I'd like the we kind of brought this up in the Italian league season a couple times, the number of passing attempts and like the distribution of number of passing attempts. You can really pull a lot of information out of that. That's, that's a very interesting stat. Yeah, absolutely. So I think like moving forward, Argentina is a very skilled team. They're, they're definitely on the decline though, right? Yeah. Like you're not, you're not going to recreate the magic that was last year. You're not going to recreate another bronze at the Olympics where you beat Brazil in in that match. You know, that doesn't happen again. Not, not with this group of players, right? You're going to need to develop a whole new group of players because does does Checo make it to Paris? I don't know, right? Like, and without any continental, without any continental qualification either for this Argentinian team, like, do they do they fit into that picture? I I don't know. It, it'll it'll be interesting. But even I think like, they can, I think they can hang on in the world rankings for long enough to at least make it to Paris. But like LA 2028, I have, I have really serious doubts. Are Argentina ranked number nine in the world right now? So right now the okay. they're in they're looking safe but who knows yeah I mean we'll we'll have to see exactly what happens with VNL next year, right yeah. Uh, yeah. for some reason I just don't see Decheco and Conte wanting to play VNL much like they did this year and what's that what's that going to look like for them you know moving yeah. forward 
I think you made the point on last week's show. Like they already got Olympic bronze. It was an all-time great run. It was an all-time great achievement for Argentinian volleyball. What more is there really to do? Like what's the motivation for DiCecco and Conte to keep going? I'm, I'm with you there, and I, I think that might accelerate their decline a little bit. Uh, absolutely. All right. Well, I think that's that wraps up the breaking down uh, all f- all four of the quarterfinal matches. Um, before we jump into the preview of the two semifinals, Rob, uh, let's tell people how they can match us. With look, looking good, <laughs> we did like it us. again, dude. We're, we, we're we matching did, again. <laughs> we did it again. Uh, trust me, this is this is not planned. It's it's never planned. Um, yeah, I just was looking for the closest one that I could find. It was this one. And uh, we sat down. I was like, oh, crap. And uh, I really didn't feel like changing it. Uh, but, yeah, if you guys want to look like us and match us, uh, maybe we'll go do an, another meetup and we'll all be wearing the same shirt. That, 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 would, be, that would be pretty funny. Um, go, like, go, go to a match or something. But uh, if you want to look like us, you want to head over to thatvolleyball.store. It's the official store for Volleyball Source. Uh, and the 9x9, you get your spicy volleyball merch there and you get your uh, 9x9 merch. So make sure to head over and check that out. And uh, also r- remind us about the new sort of YouTube membership program we've got going on here. I see exactly one thanks for participating cookie emoji in the chat. I see one, and I would definitely like to see more. Yeah, Reiru Aero. Uh, honestly, you've been in the chat for a while. Appreciate you. Um, and you're getting the shout out right now because you're currently the only member. But we'd love to see some of those, uh, more of those uh, thanks for participating cookies. Um, you know, just 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 give us your hard-earned money. Uh, or at the very least, give this video a nice little like. Uh, we're doing pretty better. We're doing quite a bit better on likes today. So appreciate that, guys. But, you know, maybe subscribe too if, if you haven't. But, uh, yeah, there's, 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 other, there's different levels of ways to support us is, is, is what I'm saying right now. Yeah, you can press the join button here on the YouTube channel that's next to the subscribe button you should have already pressed. And uh, that will allow you to join the YouTube channel as a member uh, for, I think, it's $4.99 USD a month right now. And that- Correct will give you early access to some of our videos uh exclusive like chat privileges like you see in the chat you got the green username and the cookie emoji which is amazing uh, and there's there's increasing levels to that as well and down the road there will be members only exclusive content like live streams and um video special videos and all sorts of good stuff that will uh, be producing only for members not just like members only early access so uh, i know that like youtube is tricky about being able to join like being able to like grab a youtube membership on mobile i know it's tricky on mobile it's much easier on desktop so if you're really interested in doing this for us and uh throw in 499 usd at us uh do it on your computer if possible you see a join button next to subscribe uh where you can get that that coveted uh, gracias por participar cookie next to your name in the chat amongst other things yeah, absolutely. And once once I'm going to figure out how, but once we do it, I'm going to actually add in uh, some discounts to that volleyball.store uh, as part as, as the membership as well. So by spending money, you're going to get to save money. Brilliant. Yeah, there, there you go. So, all right, Rob, let's, let's preview these two semifinals right now. And uh, one of them I'm very, actually, to be honest, to both of them I'm pretty stoked for. I, I think like the Poland-Brazil one, like which one do you start? Let's let's start with Slovenia, Italy, because that one yeah, is the. Well, actually, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised that the schedule is set. Uh, the schedule is set already, and ever would you believe that Poland Brazil is the first match that day in Katowice? I'm really? surprised. Yeah, 
Uh, so the, 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 the semifinals are going down in Katowice, Poland. Uh, they're one of the sites in Poland that hosted two of the pools. It's about half an hour away from Klovice where they've been playing the, the round of 16 and 8. Uh, so Poland takes on Brazil at noon Eastern, uh, 9 a.m. Pacific, this Saturday, September 10th. So tomorrow, is, tomorrow being Friday is kind of a travel day, and the semifinals are going down on Saturday, September 10th. So first off is Poland versus Brazil. Uh, the home team playing the first match, which is kind of weird. The Poland versus Brazil at noon Eastern on Saturday, followed by Italy versus Slovenia at, uh, what's that, 3 p.m. Eastern Saturday as well. And then uh, the, the gold medal matches, or the medal matches, same times the following day on Sunday. So bronze medal at noon Eastern on Sunday, September 11th. Gold medal match 3 p.m. Eastern this Sunday as well. Yeah, so I mean that that surprises me. I would have thought that Poland in Poland would have want the their match against Brazil to be in prime time, but maybe that has something to do with like TV rights. Maybe soccer's playing at eight PM or something. Um, I'm I, I, it, I think Italy's got some kind of a TV deal because all of their match times during pools were different than everyone else's. There might be yeah, something but you're there. telling you're telling me that Italy's TV deal, which is is going to be more lucrative than Poland, the host country, like. I think Poland Poland gets a yeah gets this one, but all right let's let's start with uh, let's start with Poland Brazil then yeah because hey this one has everything written to be what is to be an all time classic you've got this is the two teams that have met in the past two World Championship finals Brazil previous to that won three gold medals Poland wants to get into that exclusive three straight club which which is weird that would to say that we've like knocked off three three straight clubs in a rows going from Italy to Brazil to, to Poland. Now um, there's a lot on the line for this game and the way that both of these teams are playing coming into this, this matchup is making my mouth water a little bit. Like that's it, totally Brazil, dude. Brazil has been so much better than we expected. We so really thought better. that, I mean, at the, the, before the tournament, I pricked Brazil to not even make it out of pools. <laughs> how does you that did. take you look? How, how does that take look now? Uh, here they are in their literally their oh. sixth straight. Actually, let's see how how many. Let's see seventh straight World Championship semifinal. The last time they didn't make it to the semifinals was 1994. <laughs> That's Yikes. ridiculous. Okay, so Were you even uh, born yet? Uh, I was born in 1994. Okay, damn, uh, wow, unbelievable. So the, uh, here they are. Here's Brazil again. It was, I mean, we've talked about it. The insertion of Cachopa as the starting setter has made all the difference in the world. Uh, Wallace coming out of retirement has really helped them out a lot on the right side. But this has been Yuandi Leal's offensive team, and he's been the guy to put up all the points. And yeah. against Poland in Poland, who just got past the hurdle of the United States today, I don't see Brazil taking a set. I really don't. I think that's they're a, come I think, on. That's I, I, I'm serious. I think they're I think they're too one dimensional right now. I think that too one dimensional. Yeah, I do. I think that Brazil. Poland can, I, yep. I think that Poland can take Yandi Leal out of the game, and I don't think Brazil has a chance after that. It's crazy you, to say you it. You think Poland can take Yandi Leal out of the game? Yes, with, I do. With Kurex French fry blocking. On the right side, you're going to take out Yolandi Leal from the game with Kachopa running the offense right as he is right now. And remember, like they still have Wallace. Like, like sure, Leal's leading the tournament right, right now with 93 points, but Wallace or Wallace, as as they're saying right now, very big discussion about the proper pronunciation of that. Actually, if you're Brazilian, can you tell us the proper pronunciation in in the chat right now? Uh, because we've we've been having discussions about it. Um, but like they still have options. Wallace's right. tournament numbers offensively, 
not that good. Not that good. He's about 25% efficiency this tournament. Okay, still, but like this is a, a an Olympic champion that we're talking about here, right? Same thing with Luca Relli out there. Like this is this is this is you know grade A grade A stake level of player that we're talking about, and when they need to show up, they will show up. Uh, I think this team is rejuvenated. I think they're having fun out there. I think they have the roster to do it. Now, do I think they're going to beat Poland? No, I think this is Poland's Poland's game. I think this is Poland's era. Um, as as long as it comes to to the world championships everywhere else they kind of suck um <laughs> yeah that's true i mean tell me i'm wrong where's the lie on Absolutely that but no. but brazil's gonna make like this is brazil if there's one team if there's one team that's too proud to go down 3-0 like like brazil's not gonna walk into katavice and get three donged like that's that's not what they're about <laughs> You know, like it's, 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 it's just not in their DNA, right? Like some, like, like if, if not, like if it doesn't happen, like Bruno will come on, like rip the ball in half uh, and just make them play a fourth set. Like that's truly what it, what I believe would happen. Like this Brazilian team is not going to let, let that down. And, and they're not going to, they're not going to go, go out without a fight. Poland's going to win, but Brazil's going to, Brazil's going to make it fun. This is going to be a fun match. I think, I think Brazil's going to get handled. I think th- I think they're gonna get handled. It, no, it's it's crazy. No way. It's crazy that I'm, I'm putting like I'm putting faith in Poland now to like seal the deal in a major international tournament. But I am. Uh, they, the way they played at home today, the way that that their crowd is, I I think it's theirs. I think it's three zero. I think it's like competitive. But I don't think there's ever gonna be a doubt that Poland's gonna win this match. Man, I I really disagree. I think like to be perfectly honest. Uh, so far in the, from watching this tournament, I've been rating Brazil higher than the USA. And like USA just went toe to toe with Poland in Poland. Like, like this, like you're telling me that Flavio and Lucas aren't going to like be able to, to, to take a chomp out of uh, Bieniek and Kokonovsky. Like you don't think they'll be like, a lot more ready than the American middles were. hundred percent. They will. That's why I'm saying that your, your prediction of a sweep is, is just very unlike you. You're a smart volleyball person and this is not a smart call. Um, but, uh, I, I appreciate that. And we, we will see who, who is correct on Sunday night's show. But, but yeah, like I, I think the only, the only area that I question Brazil in right now is the libero position. I think Talis is very, very average. Um, and if Poland was smart, they would just serve everything at him. Either uh, you Poland's have... smart, they're gonna get, they're gonna rip Yondi Leal off the that's, court. That, that's yeah, that clearly was... the serving target. That, that Talis, I agree with you. Like Talis is a, is an average global libero, but his one really elite level skill is jump serve reception. He's phenomenal at passing jump serves, and he's really really average at everything else. So uh, I think the serving target is very clearly Leal, and that, that's that's Poland's recipe for winning that match. And I okay, think that's what fair enough. Do. And I, I like that, but yeah, like you calling three zero. Like I think this is going to go to the, the to, like go to the end as well. Like I think I think Brazil and is call is five go. setter. They call yeah, five I'm, setter. I'm calling a five setter for sure. Okay. How do you not call a five setter? Like the fact that you're calling a sweep and not even a three one is blasphemy to me. And like I hope I hope. Bruno plays this for the boys in Brazil's locker room on Saturday to pump them up. <laughs> like, Rob St. Clair doesn't think we could do it. He thinks we're going to get swept. The media isn't our, on our side. No one's on our side. It's just us against the world, boys. Let's go get them. Like Bruno is going to be in Portuguese, of course. I mean, it, it literally is again them against the world, and they play in that arena with 15,000 yeah. screaming Polish people. Also, one thing to note, this will be the first time in the tournament that uh, Brazil plays a European team. 
Wow, is that true? That's yep. crazy. Yep. Yeah, I guess they had Qatar, Japan, Cuba, and pools, and then Argentina and Iran. Wow, you're right. That's nuts. Yep. So you know, like that's that's one thing to consider too. The fact that not didn't have to play one European team, right? They they want you know they they beat up on everywhere else, but just stayed out of Europe. Well, speaking of European teams, let's look at the other side of the bracket, the other semifinal between Slovenia and Italy, a rematch of last year's Eurovolley finals. We, we saw that match, Everett. It was an amazing five-setter that Italy won to take the continent. We saw Micheletto and Romano come out huge serving in the fifth set. It was kind of a heartbreaker for Slovenia because, honestly, I thought they should have won that match, and that was probably their best opportunity to win a major international event with this core group. Now that Slovenia is not playing at home, do they have any chance against this Italian team to win the match? I'm questioning how battle-tested the Slovenian team is. One, right? First and foremost, like they have not had to play the matches that Italy's had. Italy's had to play, right? They didn't get you know roughed up by Canada like Italy had has been. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was that was a bad that that was a bad one. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Canada, like Italy, Italy had like a tough round of sixteen match against Cuba. Right. And no, no matter what Cuba was at this tournament, we all expected them to be more. That was still a tough one. And it's not a, a gimme match. And then you have an all time classic against France. Right. Like how ready is Slovenia right now? And how ready are they, are they to play in front of what everyone else has been playing in, in Ljubljana is what is probably going to be an empty stadium. Right. How many both I those think polls? that's that's totally the biggest difference. I mean, Slovenia put up a great fight against France and pools, lost to them in five. Uh, everything else, they've been riding this high of over 10,000 supportive fans, and they're just not going to have that this time. Yeah. And like how many of those how many of those polls are going to, to stick around for, for that match? Um, <laughs> Probably not very many. But but that, that being said, that being said, I do like the matchup here. Right, like I think these teams match up match up well. You've got two skilled teams who have quality players in all positions. Right, my question is: is can Slovenia get out of their own way? Like, can they make the right decisions? Can you put the Rock Mozic in? Like that 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 to me is is what it comes down to. How has he not been playing? Have you not been building to that? That's that's my biggest big, biggest question point on, on there. Um, I know this Slovenian team feels like they're owed one. Like how many how many silver medals have they have they gotten uh, I think it was as, three yeah three three of three from the past four at, at the at the european championships right there's one of those where they were you know second place in europe but weren't allowed to participate in the european qualifying for uh for 26 for the 2016 olympics right so they have like they have like chips on their shoulders and this team wants a championship and i think they view italy as a winnable game right because it, uh, like you rightly said i think they feel like they owe them one from the, the last european championship so the fact that it's on a neutral site i do think that oh, slovenia is going to going to bring it to them but as i i mentioned my my two worries a they're not battle tested enough and that they've been floating through this dream like like state of playing in front of eleven thousand every game and playing against you know the mediocre teams that they've had to because of because of the the pools uh and then also are they going to make the right decisions just put in rope right away put in rock mozic right away and let the boys swing away I think that's ex the exact questions that you've got to ask if Slovenia's got a chance against Italy here, and I just don't really see it being enough. I just don't know if there's enough magic in this Slovenian team left with, without the home crowd to um, outplay Italy in all of Italy's strength areas. I don't know if Slovenia can 
rip enough serves to really make Italy uncomfortable. I think that's one like kind of vulnerable place Italy has right now. And uh, Italy doesn't have to go after their serves against Slovenia quite the way that they do against like a France or a Poland. Uh, and Italy isn't the greatest serving team in the world right now. Um, but if, if, if the serve and pass battle because of the matchup, I think is a little more comfortable for Italy. And then Italy is amazing at everything else. And I, I think the matchup is, is really strongly in Italy's favor. I'm, I'm going to call it three to one. I think Slovenia grabs one, but I think Italy is going to play for gold. Yeah, I agree. I'm ultimately, ultimately, I agree. I think Italy is quite possibly one of the most skilled teams in the world, and they're just going to be able to float through that. A real take, hot, hot, uh, hot take, real quick, sorry, hot take from the chat. Show uh, is saying that Talis is better than Sergio. Yeah, would, I'm just going to let that marinate yeah, for gonna, a second. Show, we're going to put you on blast here. Delete like, that take from the internet while you still can. Uh, no, I'm I'm going to screenshot it right now. You can't. <laughs> you can't. You can't uh, delete it anymore. Show terrible. We're, we're gonna we're gonna remember that all time terrible take. <laughs> Sergio Dallas is better than Sergio. Horrible. Uh, at this point, I don't even care if you're joking. Like that 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 needs that that needs to be uh, called out. Uh, yeah, but yeah, there, there's, there's a line between jokes that you're allowed to tell and sentences that you literally cannot type out into words. You just you can't say that. Yeah. So, but yeah, going going back to this match, um, one thing I, I meant to talk about earlier is I want to highlight the play of Fabian Balasso for Italy. I oh, think awesome. he's been quietly one of the best liberos in the, in this tournament, and he does it in in such a low key way. His passing is is so on point, but his defense he's he's a He's very similar to Grubenikov in other ways, in ways that he's he's able to position himself in the position to, to make that dig, right? He can find the seams, he can find the spots, he can put himself there and have his feet stopped. But we've talked about it, Rob. He like no one else, he can just take the ball off his chest, off his shoulder, <laughs> yeah. off any part of his body, and just get it to the setter in in a set in a settable way. Uh, and I've really enjoyed enjoyed watching him. I mean, not having him at VNL, I think was a was a bit of a uh, it, it, it helps some other guys out, but you can tell right away who who the best libero in Italy is, and, and Velasco has been fantastic. Yeah, still young too. I mean, he's going to be the the core of Lube's team for the next ten years, and same with the Italian national team. So, yeah, I agree. I think he's, he gets a lot of respect. He's definitely making a case for top three libero in the world right now. I think it's a toss up between him and Zatorski for number three. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, All right, so we've we've both got uh, we've both got Poland, we've both got Italy winning their semifinals, although by different scores. Let's pick the medal matches. Uh, who you got for bronze, uh, Slovenia or Brazil? I'm gonna go for Brazil. Like uh, I, I think you know Slovenia as as good as they are. Once again, if this was at home in Slovenia, I would pick Slovenia. Right? There's something about it playing at at home, but they won't be. They're gonna be playing in Katowice, and I don't really know how far Slovenia is from Poland, but it's a lot further than you know playing at home so i'm i'm gonna go brazil in this one i'm gonna call 3-1 again uh i think slovenia makes it interesting early maybe takes the fourth set and then leo and the bull is just right off to sunset with kachopa looking like the coolest man in volleyball right now <laughs> um that's that's honestly what i what what i think is going to happen this brazilian team is is very good um and it's too bad that you don't have a france or a usa you know one of the top teams who are really able to to go up against them um maybe even a japan right like you know 
if Japan would be playing the way that they did uh, nah, against. They, are, they already played them. They already played in pools, and it was not. Yeah, competitive. I know I it was. It that. was not competitive. But maybe, maybe be different. But anyways, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going Brazil all, all day in this one. What about you? I've got, I've got Brazil in five. I think that bronze medal match has the potential to be super good. Okay. Uh, I think, I think there's going to be a lot on the line. I think Slovenia will want that medal more than Brazil, but I think Brazil is better than Slovenia, and I think that might. Uh, add up to a pretty fun bronze medal match. Uh, how about the gold? Poland versus Italy. I think Poland. Like I, I believe in the three peep. Uh, I really, really do. Um, I think Poland is the perfect team to crack Italy. Italy, you know, I, I, I think that this is a team that can put pressure on Italy and just make them uncomfortable and just really nullify what Italy does well. Because if you want to, like, I think. Poland is perfectly suited to initiate rallies, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a young team that's fit and in shape and you've got guys on the bench that you can go to like for now came in today and was fantastic for, for a little bit for, for Poland, right? You allowed some to go off to the bench, even Kolek, you know, like you bring in like for now and Kolek, like God, what I would have paid for Bartosz Kolek to have switched jerseys today and play for right? the US, like, what I would have given for that. You know, like Kirik needs a needs needs a rest. You're gonna to go to Kashmarak. Like this this team is is so deep, and I don't think like I think that they're not as skilled, but the the level of athlete they have on Poland is superior to the level of athletes they have uh, on Italy. The skill factor is higher in the the Italy scale. Athletics factors is definitely way higher in the in the Poland scale. But then also you're you're playing at home. Right. This is they're going they're going to be going for the three peat. So so I think and I think that's just going to going to get them going. Like you're going to tell me that with all the success that Slivka and Semenyuk have had recently, that this this team isn't ready to to go win this at home. Like, come on. I think it's Poland all the way now that USA is, is out of their way. I do think that there's potentially I think there's more chance for Brazil to beat Poland in the semis than for Italy to beat Poland in the finals. Okay, uh, I, I think differently. I think Italy has a better chance against Poland than Brazil does. I'm still going to pick it 3-0, though. I, I still don't think that Poland drops a set the rest of the way. I think that they're now galvanized. They've, they've sustained and survived the biggest tests that they're going to have from the U.S. I really think that the U.S. is better and matches up better against Poland than either Brazil or Italy. And I think Poland uh, goes 6-0 and on the weekend and walks away with a three-peat. Yeah. Okay. Six and zero. Oh. Like, I mean, that's a that's a bold that's a bold take on that. I wish I wish we could, you know, I wish we could like put some money on it just just to like even if it was just two bucks just just to see what's up because yeah, six and zero oh for the rest of this tournament like that's with who they have potentially have in front of them. Like Slovenia is not getting through. You know, you have yeah. to play arguably the best team in all of the history of volleyball, like the Ferrari of volleyball, and then you have to pay the play the defending European champions. So. uh I think that's a that's a pop and a half uh, with the six and zero, but uh, ultimately we both have a Poland at the top of the podium. Time will tell, and we will be back on Sunday uh, after the medal matches are over to break it all down. Uh, it's been a heck of a couple of weeks, Everett. We've we've really I think done this tournament a favor in covering it the way it should be covered. Uh, even the volleyball world won't do it. We certainly will. Uh, it's been a blast, and now that kind of like you were saying after Canada didn't make it to the round of sixteen, now that my team is dead. I can really just enjoy uh, this weekend's matches. So uh, semifinals on Saturday, medal matches on Sunday, another nine by nine Sunday night, and then we'll take a well-deserved week off the show. 
Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But uh, hey, we really appreciate you guys being along for the, the journey with us. It's been a lot of fun uh, breaking down this tournament so far. Um, I mean, our numbers have been getting increasingly better and better. So we appreciate you jumping in. We hope you like the content. You, We hope you like you see. We hope you stay around and follow us throughout the uh, club uh, season. Because, I mean, Rob, we're, we're almost coming up to a year now of running this show. Where it's we've, true. We've, it's we've, true. We've been almost doing this for a year. It's been like... 10 or something months like i think where do we start like october november last year we'll have to think probably november of last year yeah we'll we'll have to we'll have to go back and look but uh we do this all year round we cover club volleyball we cover men's we cover women's of course we're going to be doing uh you know similar type of coverage for the women's once it gets started uh on the the 26th so we appreciate you being with us and uh yeah uh if you guys have any questions or comments or things you'd like to see just let us know whether it's here on the discord haven't chatted at the discord yet but of course you already know join it uh, and the link below here the volleyball source discord is honestly one of the best places to consume volleyball because it's just it's like sitting in a room with all of your best friends talking about volleyball right and everyone does that you all watch sports wherever you are in the world whether it's soccer or rugby or cricket or hockey or basketball or football and you watch sports and talk about it that's what the discourse for and it's a it's a lot of fun it's the best uh, can't recommend it enough so uh, join that we'll be popping off for all the matches this weekend and the next time we will see you we will know who the world champions are uh, so we'll see you sunday night thanks for watching uh, have a great weekend and we'll talk to you in a couple of days Peace.